Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Fourth and Gold, the Sacramento State football centric podcast here on StateHornet.com. I am your podcast editor, Mac Irvin III, and again, I'm joined by Brandon Bailey, football beat writer for Sac State. We back, man. Yeah, we back, and Sac State's back at home, and is it fair to say that they escaped with a win over Northern Colorado this weekend? It was certainly closer than you and I both expected. Definitely was closer than what I expected. I mean, last week I think we expressed that we know that any given Saturday any team is able to lose, especially in the Big Sky Conference, but I'd be lying if I said I thought this was going to be as close of a game as it was. I think it was just a testament to – I think Northern Colorado played a, a pretty decent game, but I think it was more so a Sac State just not playing at their best. Yeah, final score of 27-24 to 24 as the Hornets go into Greeley and knock off the Bears. You paid a little bit more attention to the game than I did, seeing as this was an away game. Tell me a little bit about what happened. Give me a little quarter-by-quarter breakdown. Why was it so close? I see they were up 17-7 to 7 at one point, and I thought, you know, that was a pretty good position to be in. Like I said, I think it was more so like Sac State just wasn't at their best. I mean... They of course they escaped and a win is a win is a win at the end of the day, especially when you're undefeated in the Big Sky Conference. But it just seemed like the quarterbacks and receivers they just weren't on the same page. It was a lot of drop passes. I felt like a lot of just they weren't consistent. Like they were running the ball good. Scatterboo had another great game, ran for a hundred yards for the second consecutive week in a row. Asher was running the ball pretty good as well, but when it just came to passing the ball, they just weren't connecting. And I think that transpired to, you know, they got off to a fast start, but as the later quarters went on and Northern Colorado started finding their, you know, their rhythm, it just started getting closer and closer. Yeah, only 173 yards passing the ball for Sac State. Jake Dunaway, 11 of 24, 138 yards. Asher O'Hara, 3 of 4 for 33 yards. He threw the game's only touchdown, and that was to Marshall Martin. Cameron Scadaboo, 111 yards. Seems like he's kind of solidifying that lead back for, or at least the main breadwinner when it comes to the running game on offense. He even outtouched Asher for once. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because Cameron, he just runs it hard, you know? It's hard to find those running backs that can just get in the trenches and just be gritty, you know what I mean? I think he runs hard with a head of steam, and, you know, when you can pass the ball to him out the backfield, it's like, what can you not do, you know? Yep. And going up against the coach McCaffrey and quarterback McCaffrey for Northern Colorado, Dylan McCaffrey, 232 yards passing the ball. Didn't have a touchdown on the board because the one touchdown pass they threw got called back because <laughs> the receiver dropped the ball on the one-yard line. Yeah, that, that just showed you just need to finish every playoff. Even when you think it's you got an end zone, don't drop it until you know for sure. You might as well just run all the way to the back of the end zone if you're going to do that. <laughs> Man, I, I remember seeing Deshaun Jackson do that one night on a Monday night game, and I remember thinking, how can anybody do that? on any level of football. And it's amazing <laughs> that we still see it happen at least once a year, it seems like. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty incredible, especially in a game like that where something like that could have changed the game. I mean, imagine if Sac State stopped him right there. That pretty much shuts Northern Colorado's comeback down, you know? It would have been 17-0, to I believe, if, instead of 17-7. to Yeah, I was fortunate for Northern Colorado that nobody recovered the ball, so (laughs) they placed it on the one-yard line. They were able to run it in for a touchdown. That was their first score of the game in the second quarter. But, yeah, little plays like that changed the game. And, I mean, and like we talked about in this Big Sky Conference, you know, for Sac State, 
with the strength of schedule that they have and, you know, the rest of the teams in the Big Sky Conference, you and I were talking before we sat down to record, it kind of seems like they need to, I don't know, maybe win out in order to secure themselves a playoff spot. I know there are 13 at-large berths in the FCS playoff system, but nothing's guaranteed in this conference. I mean, luckily, their schedule, from the looks of it, is on their side. I mean, we already established, you know, any given Saturday, anybody can come out and play their best game and give you a challenge. But, I mean, they got Cal Poly next, and then after that, Portland State, who's 4-4, four and four, and then a big game against Davis. So, I mean, it looks like, you know, they're in a good position along with the help of the competitor strength of schedule, like Montana State, who um, they face Eastern Washington um, this week. So, I mean, if they can – if they lose, that puts Sac State right in the driver's seat, and all they'll have to do is just keep winning. Yeah, especially when you have teams like Davis and Eastern Washington with only one conference loss. Of course, Montana State had a bye this week, and that's why they didn't play. Their record stays at 5-0 and in the conference along with Sac State. So, yeah, I guess with that in mind, let's look ahead to this game against Cal Poly. I mean, I'm trying to find something positive to say about Cal Poly, but look, <laughs> looking at their schedule, it's been a miserable year for them. They beat San Diego on the opening day of the season, 28-17, and they have gone on to lose seven in a row. Yeah, like you said, I'm I'm looking for things to find. It's not really much. I mean, their quarterback is playing pretty decent, you know, 1,000 yards, 56% completion percentage. And six touchdowns on the season, but it doesn't say much when you got five interceptions to tally it off. You know, it kind of, I guess you would say, evens each other out. Yeah, it seems like they're a strong second-half team, at least from this last game against Portland State. They went into halftime with only six points on the board, but then they ended up with 21 at the final whistle. And I know what you're going to hear from Troy Taylor when you go out to the preview is going to be all about that triple option offense. And, you know, <laughs> Cal Poly... They, they're prone to pull off a few surprise and trick plays, and I know right. it's always hard to prepare for a triple option. So what's your feeling of Sac State going into this week? Um, I think they definitely have some things to clean up from last week, especially in the passing game. This week they have a chance to get it together before they have to face you know some more difficult opponents, I would say. But I think... They definitely can't come out and play the same way they did last week, even if it is against a 1-7 Cal Poly. I mean, you can't underestimate a team just because of their record. It's hard to, you know, come into a game and come with the same mindset that you'd probably have for a Davis. But unfortunately, I mean, that's the situation. You know, you kind of have to come with that same type of mindset, especially, you know, in the big sky, anybody can come and give you their best play. But I think, like you said, they're going against the option. They've been playing really well against the run. They did pretty good against Northern Colorado. I mean, they gave up two touchdowns, but it was on the one-yard line. But um, I think they've been playing pretty well. So if they can do that and, you know, Josiah Erickson, Marcus Hawkins, that linebacker, and Taylor Powell come in and do what they're doing, fill the gaps, then they should. it should, it should be a pretty – it should be an overwhelming game for <laughs> Cal Poly, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm looking back to the last time these two teams met, and that was in October of 2019. Sac State came on top in that game, 38-14. to 14. And looking at the scores by quarter, it was looking like much of the same, and, you know, a little stagnant in the first quarter, no score by either team. And then came the explosion of 17 points in the second quarter, and I think that kind of stunned Cal Poly, maybe overwhelmed them a little bit. Looks like the big story in that game was the running game. 
Elijah Dotson with three touchdowns. He had 175 yards, and Kevin Thompson had 104 yards. So I wonder if we're going to see a little bit of that this week. Obviously coming off a game that wasn't great for them in the aerial game, but, you know, they have a wide array of backs that can do damage, and they have two quarterbacks who can pass the ball. So I think if they get that to get – if they, you know, fix those issues in practice, you know, I think it should be a pretty straightforward game for Sac State. But, of course, you never know in the college world. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is um, they got to get off to a fast start. Even last week, they were moving the ball early. Like you said, they scored 17 points in the first half, but it just felt really like a slow 17 points, if that makes sense. You know, like it doesn't feel like they was really having things going consistently. And I think this week the goal is to just – in Cal Poly's hope before they can even think of having a chance, you know, especially a one in seven team. I mean, you get on a team like that that's down, you know, confidence isn't really in their favor, especially when you're one in seven, you know. So I think they just have to get off to a fast start and really establish their dominance, whether that be in the run game or in the pass. And I think what's also going to help them is being back at home soil and back playing at a regular, at least regular for us, 6 o'clock time. Right. I wonder if those noon games impact them in any way. And I know that last game against Davis is also scheduled for a 1 o'clock yeah. kickoff. So we'll have to see if maybe that has some kind of correlation between how they perform. You know, it's kind of interesting because now that you you say that, it seems like when they do go on the road and they're playing those early games, they're a lot closer for some reason than what they are at home. Idaho State, who wasn't you know, the greatest team coming in, they had to fight in that win, too. Another, I guess you could say, early game for Sac State because they're so used to playing at night. So that's an interesting point. I wonder if you think if that does play a factor in it at all. Mm-hmm. All right, and I think that's going to do it for this episode of Fourth and Goal. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to go check out all the stories, podcasts, and videos on StateHornet.com and be on the lookout for Brandon's preview later this week and game coverage on Saturday night. And we'll see you next week. Yeah!